But I remember one Halloween night, I was with uh, a group of people who were doing a hayride. It was sponsored by a local church, and it was in the 80s, and I was a young guy, maybe 12 years old, and we were on this Halloween hayride, and it was Halloween night, and my brother was with me. He was a little older. He was about 16, and we actually did the hayride, not on some farm through a cornfield. We were going through a uh, graveyard. Spooky. And so my brother, who was 16, had the bright idea of jumping off the, the flatbed that had hay on it. And he began to run through the graveyard at night. And all I could see as he was running away was Jason. <laughs> and so not to be left out, I jumped off the hayride and I began to pursue him. And he's running and he's running and he stops and I almost run into him and I stop and he's looking out in front of him among the tombstones. There were big tombstones, little tombstones, medium-sized tombstones from the 1800s, 1900s. The big ones were for the rich people, medium, middle class, the small little ones were the peasants. But he was standing there, and I was breathing because I had to catch up with him. And he heard someone breathing. He's standing in the middle of a graveyard, dark, Halloween night. He hears somebody breathing behind him. And he turns around and sees my silhouette in the darkness and passes out. He just hits the ground. <laughs> No lie. No lie. It scares him to death. No pun intended. But if he would have died, we wouldn't have to take it far. We would have done a hole and put him in. And he pop, his eyes pop open and he sees me standing there. He said, man, you scared me to death. I thought you were a ghost. See, we all have Halloween stories. We have stories that, that really touch us at the seat of our emotions. I can remember growing up and I was with that same brother and we were fishing and we were fishing down this creek with my cousin and we were marching down the creek and fishing and it was just teenage boys. I was probably 12, 13 and, and we came across this area where there was a dead fox. I don't know how the fox died I don't know if he just died of old age, somebody shot him, got into poison, or whatever. Maybe his, maybe his wife left him. I don't know. He just died. So we go look at this dead fox. You know how guys are poking him with a stick. And my brother looks up. He said, that's a dead fox, but there's a dead man. I said, man, you're kidding. You're crazy, man. You're crazy. You're trying to scare us. He said, no, I believe that's a dead man across the creek. So we walk down the creek and we see something bobbing in the water. Can't tell what it is. Look like a belt buckle. It's just bobbing in the water. Some of y'all are scared right now. You say, I'm not going trick-or-treating enough. <laughs> bobbing in the water. And so my cousin and my 
brother who was several years older than me, they jump across this creek and come down the other bank and get right over this thing and they get real close and begin to look. And my cousin looks at me and he says, that is a dead man. His head is bobbing up and down under the water. And my brother froze. He was standing right beside me. Then all of a sudden they run and like Jesus, they walk on water. <laughs> no lie. I don't know how they got across the creek, but they walk on water and get to my side. And I was about 12. They were like 16. And I thought they were going to stop. They never stopped. I'm hanging out with a dead man in a creek by myself. And they don't stop. And it clicks in my brain, my young, impressionable, pure brain. These guys are not going to stop. And I haul boogie and try to catch up with them. By the time I get up with them, they're on the side of the road. They're laying on the side of the road, breathing heavily, not knowing what to do. And finally we thumb, that's before cell phones, we thumb and we stop somebody. They take us home and we tell my mom, my mom doesn't believe us. And we finally call the cops. We tell them where the dead man is. But we had to leave the cops to the dead man. And that night, it's amazing how death haunts us. That night, every time I closed my eyes, I saw that dead man bobbing. So like I said, I didn't come to church to get a story. <laughs> but I slept on my bed. I slept under the bed. I went to my brother's room, slept on the floor. I went downstairs, slept on the couch. That night, I did not sleep because of Death was haunting me. And I believe that in many churches, people are spiritually dead because they're trying to find a life in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So as we look at the book of Galatians, we must realize this, that Paul writes this book to churches that are in the region of Galatia. He's writing this book because the Gentile believers were being fooled by the Jewish believers. The Jewish believers who had come to Christ were now telling them that they had to go back and be circumcised, which was one of the laws of the Old Covenant. And Paul comes in and says, No! Somebody is preaching to you another gospel which is not really a gospel at all. Let's read chapter 1. Chapter 1, Paul says, I'm an apostle, not called by men or a man, but by the will of God. And I'm telling you that you're listening not to the true gospel, but a gospel that is not a gospel at all. He says this in chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, which is our text today. He says, what has happened to you, foolish Galatians? Because I'm foolish. He says, who has put you under an evil spell? Isn't that a great text for Halloween Day? Yeah. 
Who put you under the hocus pocus? Which witch casts a spell on you? He said, did God not open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Was he not revealed to you as the crucified one? So answer me this. Did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping Jewish laws? What he, he's asking all these questions. Six of them in this text. In the Passion Translation. No, you received him as a gift because you believed in the Messiah who was Jesus. Your new life began when the Holy Spirit gave you a new birth. Why then would you so foolishly turn from, the live, from living in the Spirit by trying to finish by your own works? That last question. Paul is actually contrasting the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said you started off in the tree of life. And we know, go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, there was many trees, but there was a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They could eat from every tree, but God said don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because when you eat from it, you will surely die. He wasn't just talking about physical death. He was talking about spiritual death because every time you and I believe that our works grant us salvation, we're believing a lot. And we're abiding in this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Paul comes in to the churches at Galatia and he says, you have believed a lie. He actually says this in the King James Version of the Bible, who has bewitched you? Who has cast this evil spell on you? To believe that you could start in the tree of life. You could start out in the spirit, but go on into maturity by living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Paul was furious. Paul got mad at the Jewish believers who were trying to take these Gentile believers back under the law of Moses. So he begins to talk about the works of the flesh. And can I ask you a question? Are you living under a spell? Are you living under a spell? Because oftentimes we, we, we preach Jesus who is the tree of life and people get saved. And the church, the modern day church is notorious, notoriously telling people that salvation is free and come to Jesus and he'll forgive you of your sin. You repent. They get saved. They're put into the tree of life. And then immediately we tell them, you got saved in the tree of life. You got saved by the Holy Spirit. But now you come over here into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is the way you say saved. I'm preaching good here now. Some of y'all were messed up. You still messed up. You're still under a spell. You're still trying to stay safe. Some of y'all came to church because you thought, you thought because you came to church, God will accept you more. Who bewitched you? 
Yeah, you started off over here, man. You got saved. You couldn't believe the newness of life. When you got saved, people looked different. And man, the sky looked bluer. The trees glistened with the radiance of God's glory. Man, you were on fire for God. And somehow you allowed religious tradition and religiosity to put you back over here in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And all the joy you experienced at the point that you got saved, all the peace and all the happiness over time has been sapped out of you because you're trying to earn your salvation. Paul goes in and begins to correct this. He says in Galatians 5.1 he says it was for freedom that Christ set you free. Passion says it like this. He says at last we have freedom. Where? Over here. Over here in that part of that Life-giving tree. For Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth. What truth? That Christ set us free. That Christ did it all. That Christ said it was finished. That salvation is done. And he says, and firmly, look here. He says, when you're over here, firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of the past, which he's talking about the law in context. Did you know the greatest fight of your life is over whether you're going to decide and choose every day to live from the tree of life? The Hebrew writer said it this way. He says, we work, we labor to enter into rest. Meaning this right here. The work of my life is this right here. I'm going to put my faith in Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm totally in Christ. I'm going to put my faith right there in Christ. But we have been manipulated and we had this spell cast on us and we've been bewitched. And so we begin to add things that we think will give us more acceptance to God or be accepted by God. And so we begin to say Jesus plus Jesus plus for the Gentiles in Galatia was Jesus plus circumcision. That sounds painful. If you're a man. But in our modern religiosity it's Jesus plus some churches wear no makeup. Jesus plus go in to see the priest. Mm, I just offended some folk just then. But sometimes God will offend your mind to correct your spirit. I said that a whole lot right there. Oh, it's Jesus plus shaking the pastor's hand. Jesus plus going to church 18 times a week. Jesus plus praying four hours a day. Jesus plus reading 365 pages in the Bible every day. And so we add all this work on what Jesus paid for freely at the cross. And so instead of being people full of hope and full of joy, we become mad religious folks that's mad at the world, that's mad at politicians, mad at government, mad at business, mad at mama, mad at daddy, mad at the NFL, mad at the NBA. 
don't get mad at those cowboys. Pray for them. We just become mad. So when we come to church, the worship leader has to prime us out of our madness. We're trying to pour water in the old well. Priming it. Man, maybe if we just sing four songs, these people will worship. I'm convinced most people don't worship God when they come to church because they're living in this tree. Come on, when you live in this tree, nobody has to coach you. Nobody has to coerce you. Nobody has to beg you to worship. You just come in. You know you've been redeemed. You know you've been saved. You're full of the Spirit of God. You've been worshiping all week. You've been full of joy and peace because you're abiding in the true vine. And Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. He didn't say you'll be fruity, but he said you bear fruit. Church is full of fruits, flakes, and nuts. But he said you'll bear fruit. But over here, it's life in the flesh. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. So the old timers used to say, I'm just trying to get to heaven. They used to sing songs like this, I'm climbing up the rough side of the mountain. just trying to make it in. Why are you trying so hard? Why are you trying to do something that Jesus already finished? I am preaching good in here. Some of y'all, some of y'all gonna go out black and blue, but that's okay. If Jesus said it is finished, what do we do? What's our part? What's my part in the salvation? Simply put my faith in what Jesus did. My faith is not in my faith. My faith is not in my works. My faith is not in Bridge Church. It is not in my ability or talent. It is not in Pastor Scott, and he is a holy man <laughs> and a good man. But my faith is in Jesus. And what he did on the cross. Why? Because if I had, if I could put faith in my works to go to heaven, I would boast and I would be full of pride. Ephesians 2. Salvation. By grace through faith, not by works, the tree of life, lest anyone should boast. So if you ever hear a believer telling you how much they pray, how much they fast, how much they read the Bible, how much they go to church, how much they give money, you can rest assured they think in their head that they're going to heaven based on their works and not what Jesus did. Galatians 3.10 says this right here. But if you rely on works of keeping the law for salvation, you live under the law's curse. Paul is saying, you live under a spell. 
Then he goes on to say, for it is clearly written, utterly cursed is everyone who fails to practice every detail and requirement that is written in the law. He is saying, if you're going to practice one law to be righteous, you've got to practice all the law. Just keeping one law is not enough to constitute righteousness from God's standpoint. God gave us 613 Mosaic laws to prove to us that we could not gain salvation through law abiding. In fact, most of us broke the law to get here. <laughs> On a very dangerous road. came down Indian River from Pungo and you got in this section and you did 36 miles an hour, you broke the law. So this tree depends on the works of the flesh. Now when Paul writes this book of Galatians, there's three main things in the book. Number one is the gospel. The gospel is good news. The death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. That gospel is free. Number two, it's justification. Justification in its lowest, simplest meaning is this right here, to be accepted by God. Not based on this, but based on this truth. And number three is law. So he, he takes these three main themes in the book of Galatians and proves that you cannot be saved by your works and by your law abiding self. He's saying you've got to throw yourself on the mercy of the court and throw yourself on Jesus to be saved. Did you know there are churches that have traditions and we've come to think that these traditions save us? You can ask a person, when did you get saved? And they'll tell you when they got baptized. Did you know baptism can be a work? It's a good thing if you approach it from the right direction. But it's a bad thing if you think getting underwater saves you. I'm saved before I'm ever baptized. I'm messing with some of your theology, but it's good. I've asked tons of people, when did you come to Christ? Well, I got baptized when I was four. That's not what I asked. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Can you remember when Jesus saved you? Do you remember when your sin overwhelmed you to the point that you needed nothing but Jesus Christ to save you? When did you get saved? I'm not talking about when your parents signed off on your baptism. When did you come to a knowledge of Jesus being your Savior and nothing else would save you? See, all of our religious activity begins to be works of the flesh that produces what? Bondage. And there are many legalisms in the church. My wife grew up in a church. I grew up in a, 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 a more uh, liberal church, meaning that they, were, they, they found uh, freedom in Christ. She grew up in a very legalistic church. If, if you were a woman, you couldn't wear pants, you couldn't wear makeup, you couldn't wear jewelry, but all the men had great suits on and wore jewelry. 
Anybody ever remember those days? And so, if you came to church and you wore the right thing, people would say, you're a Christian. But I saw people wearing the right thing, but mean as a snake. You might be saying, man, I was one of those people. Why? Because your outward works can never bring about inward transformation. The gospel doesn't start from out here. It starts inside. It is an inward work of grace. R.C. Sproul, who's a great theologian, he talks about legalism and how it impacts people and how it impacts our lives. And he says three things about legalism. Legalism is anything that you place your faith in for salvation. He says, number one, legalists focus in on God's laws more than a relationship with God. Number two, keeping external laws without truly a submitted heart. Amen. Without a submitted heart. Number three, adding human rules to divine laws, treating them as divine. That is, I got to read that one more time. It said, adding human rules to divine laws and treating them as divine. So Jesus in the New Testament comes in the Gospels and he looks at the Pharisees and he says, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. What is Jesus tackling? He's tackling this outward religiosity of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and saying, all that stuff's not going to save you. It doesn't have power to change your heart. You see, you worship. you got all these religious things going on, but your heart, man, it's so distant, it's so corrupt, it's so cold, it's so poor. Your heart doesn't love God. And then Jesus tells us in the New Testament, he says the only thing more powerful than the Word of God are your man-made traditions that you've erected to become a point of salvation. Did you know a tradition that you grew up in can be more powerful than the Word of God? And so we, we get people saying, Say, hey, come over here. I want you to come over here now and live right here in this dead tree. You know who hangs out in this dead tree? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Buzzards. Buzzards feed on dead things. And so the church has created a bunch of buzzards circling over people that are not quite legalistic yet. So we're trying to pull people out of that tree into this tree. But I don't like buzzards. Over in this tree, eagles hang out. You got to choose what you want to be. You want to be an eagle that soars? Or you want to be a buzzard that feeds on dead things? That produces bondage and death in your life? I want to be an eagle. 
Because Isaiah said you will mount up with the wings as eagles and you will soar. You can't soar in that tree. You can only soar in this tree spiritually. You can't grow and mature in that tree. You can only grow and mature in this tree. You can't forgive in that tree. You can only forgive in this tree. You can only have external religion over there, but you can have internal transformation in this tree. And this is the tree I want to live in. Not the works of the flesh. I want to live life in the spirit. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 talks about living life in the spirit. He says, yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed the curse completely as he became a curse in our place. For it is written, everyone who is hung upon a tree is cursed. Jesus Christ dissolved the curse from our lives. So he took it away. So that in him all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon the Gentiles. And now through faith we receive the promised Holy Spirit who lives in us. Where does the Holy Spirit live? Is the Holy Spirit in heaven? No, it's in you. Is the Holy Spirit in this brick and mortar building? No, he's in you. The Holy Spirit, you are the residency. You are the house. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the proof of the Holy Spirit living in you is what? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit love, joy, peace. Let's do a test. Based on the proof, is the Holy Spirit living in me? For what degree am I allowing the Holy Spirit to live through me? That's a tough one there, isn't it? Because this tree over here cannot produce that fruit. Jesus said, you know a tree by the fruit it bears. This tree produces mean Christians. This tree right here creates religious wars in your home. This tree right here in your home, you'll begin to beat up your spouse with the Bible. Well, the Bible says... Uh, tree over here, they'll know me by the fruit my life bears. If I live in this tree, there's more patience in my house. There's more goodness in my house. There's more love in my house. There's more kindness. There's more gentleness. There's more self-control. But I don't get to watch what I want to watch on the television. And this tree Sometimes a husband just washes the dishes because he loves his wife. Amen. Good night. Women say, Amen. Pray the Lord. Y'all gonna start speaking in tongues or something. In this tree right here, the wife sometimes says, I'm gonna have the house ready for when my husband comes home. I didn't hear as many amens. I didn't hear no amens on that. I heard on me. I don't want to do that. He can 
scissors and pull <laughs> This tree, somebody cut you off on 264. You raise your hand and praise the Lord. Don't flip on the bird. Don't flip on the bird. This tree right here, you bless your enemies. And this tree right here, you walk in peace. This tree, you recognize you can't change people. And this tree, you bless your president and vice president. And there's some for some for, for some of y'all it's very hard because you've been fighting out of that tree. Got quiet. Election day is Tuesday. Vote. Please vote. But realize Jesus is king. Do your civic duty. Go out and vote. But vote out of this tree. Don't vote out of that tree. In this tree. It's time to receive tithe and offering in the church. You get cheerful. In that tree, you get sad. When you give in this tree, you do it out of grace. When you give out of that tree, you do it out of law. In this tree, I give because I want to. I love to. In that tree, that passage always twisted my arm. This tree I give because Jesus is a giver. And I'm abiding in Him. And I give because it's just the natural outflow of my life. In this tree, my tongue is used for blessing. In that tree, I use it for cursing. Amen. In this tree, I love all ethnicities. In that tree, church has become compartmentalized. Got quiet in this gospel church. In this tree, there's one human race represented by many ethnicities. In that tree, there are many races, which is a lie. Bible says, through one man came many nations. That word nation is ethnos in the group. It means ethnicities. God only created one human race that's represented in many ethnicities. In this tree, the church is one. In that tree, there's Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Charismatics, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, Assembly of God. There are a hundred, a thousand different churches. Over here, it's just one. <laughs> trying to get you to see. Some of y'all been hanging out in that tree. And your spirit's all jacked up. You're mad half the time. You say things on Facebook you shouldn't say. You become a Facebook prophet. 
with no accountability. Over here, you're abiding in the body where there's accountability. And this tree, I bring resolution to relational conflict. And that tree, I just keep stirring it up. Is this good? Is the life up on? I'm trying, I'm trying to get you out of... I'm trying to get you out of religion and into relationship. That's what I'm trying to get you. I'm trying to get you from hearing just a, a, a preacher preach and just reading books to over here living life in the spirit. Paul said, if you walk in the spirit, guess what? You're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. Meaning this, when I go to do something wrong, I don't need the pastor to tell me I'm doing something wrong. The Holy Spirit just gently corrects me. When I go to say something stupid, the Holy Spirit says, don't say that. When I go to say something to my wife that I shouldn't say, he said, you better watch it. When I'm at Harris Cedar or Walmart or Food Line, wherever I shop, and I'm tempted to leave the cart out in the parking lot and hit Pastor Archie Suburban, I hear the Holy Spirit say, you need to go put that up. Some of y'all going to hear it today? You're going to go out to eat and the Holy Spirit's going to say, don't take another bite. <laughs> just hold it. Just, just wrap that up a doggy box. Take it home. Don't overeat. Some of y'all going to act like you're deaf. And you're going to press through the voice of the Holy Spirit and live your own life. I did that. Going back to the car in the parking lot. Oftentimes, I would act like I couldn't hear God because I didn't want to take the cart back. But God started dealing with my heart. Years ago, I'm not talking about yesterday, I'm talking about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. But as he began to deal with my heart, I got smart. So I started parking my vehicle <laughs> close to where you put the car back. So as I open up my suburban and put all the groceries in and close it, I just turn around and push the car. And it goes right into the place. I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You've given me wisdom because I'm going to walk in the Spirit. I mean, a walk in the Spirit will save you time, energy, and resources. Walking in the Spirit will save you from all the dating you're doing, single people. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. I was dating this girl. I got to go, man. I, I got to go. I was dating this girl in college. We broke up. We could have got back together. I heard the Holy Spirit say, no. I was acting dumb because she was pretty. But I'm glad I said no. And I'm glad God said no. Some of y'all run around from church to church, from single group to single group, looking for your future mate. Did you know God works while you're sleeping? He put Adam to sleep, and when he woke up, he had Eve, and he said, Whoa, man, what the? Oh, she's fine. Good night, she's built. Started singing Brick House right there in the garden. Why? Because he walked in the spirit. Walking in the spirit. Comical, but true. Let's stand. He 
he tried to play, he tried to play this, this, this pretty music here to bring us into a, a moment in the spirit. And I'm sitting here cutting up. 